Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. What's up, everybody? It's time for another episode of Tennis Bets. I've got a great round table of guests, one joining here in a second as well. Zachary Cohen from the Visa Network. Zico, what's up, man? How's everything been? Not much. I uh, am sweating out Alcaraz already. I think I told you guys before the show, I have Alcaraz to win the tournament. Kind of under, you know, just this is the best price we've seen on him in a really long time. He was like plus 340. Those are definitely the longest odds we've seen on him in a while. But, you know, the odds makers always know. So if he loses here, that's why. Join- yeah, he just got broken again. So yeah, lovely. Uh, joining us also, you know, now the second time, uh, a somewhat regular on the show. You can find her up north in Canada. Had a great WNBA campaign covering that sport back in the tennis world for at least a couple weeks. Karina Mustafa. Karina, welcome back. Glad we didn't scare you away last time. Of course not. No, this is so fun. I'm so glad to be back. And also joining the show, Tanny Ducey. Yeah, I get my own introduction. He does, yeah. I think he planned it this way by uh, staggering into the starting blocks. But, hey, (laughs) you're feeling pretty good, especially on the flip side of uh, Zico's future bet, feeling good about Roman Reigns to feeling. Yeah, I am. Uh, Look, this guy's a big match player. He's got an even bigger T-shirt, and I think he's playing lights out. He's he's amped up the aggression. He's been playing some amazing tennis. One thing I will say about Roman Safulin, just before we get into it, just a little anecdote, is I remember uh, watching him play Tommy Paul in that amazing five-setter at the U.S. Open, and I was sitting right next to Brad Stein, and he was telling Tommy, he was like, you're the better ball striker. You're the better ball striker. Like, you know, like, let's go. Just – you know, trying to basically say, hey, play points from the baseline, don't get aggressive. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, watching this match, court level, I'm like, this guy is not the better ball striker. Roman Safulin is the better ball striker. Um, so I think he's finally getting his due. And uh, I think he, I mean, we've seen him compete against some pretty high-level players in years past. I can remember him almost beating Denis Shapovalov at the ATP Cup, like, three years mm-hmm. ago or something like that. So a uh, long time coming. But uh, I know Zico is a big fan. I don't know how Karina feels about Roman, but... Uh, look, I mean, good showing here on a in a big spotlight. Masters 1000 yeah. center court uh, in the night session against number one player, number two player in the world. Sorry, um, and uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully he uh, he can pull this off. Yeah. Don't know how much of a fan Zico is going to be after this match. <laughs> Roman's running a lot of money. He's, hey, yeah. and what, once once a Roman Safiul lover, always a Roman Safiul lover. <laughs> I always say. Um, well, no, Zico, Zico is in love with this guy at the size of his T-shirt. So I, yeah. I know that he'll the find size, it in his heart to forgive him. Yeah, The yeah, size and I the whiteness of the T-shirt. I also <laughs> love Kenny with that tiny mic. It doesn't look like you're holding anything. Like you're, it looks like you're pantomiming a microphone. Yeah, I had uh, I had the tennis uh, racket, the mini tennis racket microphone, yeah. but it was just too difficult. I had it at the U.S. Open. It's just too difficult to maintain because like the I used a um, command strip to attach to the racket, but the stickiness was it's a long story. So, no, this is this is a Gen Z. This is a Gen Z mic. They all use this now. So that's me. I mean, it's I'm not true. I have figure. one. So, yeah, there you go. So, 
Well, I want to let the guests, our, our, our newest guest here, Karina, go first because she does have something she wants to talk about. And we recap last week. We go ahead and and we got to give props to the Canadian Felix Ojeda's team defends his Basel title. Uh, there was Karina, you know, there was like no momentum going into you know the last couple of weeks. Starts maybe reignite after that Labor Cup dust up with Monfils, and look at this. He beat Shevchenko, Runa, and Hubie Hercotch, pretty quality players, to win the title. So. Props, on, props to Felix and your thoughts on the Canadian maybe possibly getting his swagger back. Yeah, I think if there was any time to kind of regain that confidence and get consecutive match wins, it's now. It's this, this the part of the year where he won, I don't even remember how many matches in a row, and he won like three tournaments in the month of October. Um, I think defending his title last week was huge because I was actually afraid that he was going to drop even more in the rankings. Um, so I think this is going to help a lot. He does face Stefano Tsitsipas next. Um, but for the first time all year, I'm actually kind of confident in him to get that win uh i think he's like a six match win streak now i can't remember what the number is but uh no i think like with felix he always has it but like there was just something wrong this year where he was kind of hitting a wall there was some kind of block there where he wasn't able to play his game so like it wasn't even that there was a flaw in his game it was just not happening for him and so you know this is a time of the year when some players figure out their struggles from the entire year and for a player like Felix I think this is just really good timing for him um, there's less pressure it feels like too because maybe not everybody is as tuned in um, with like narratives and storylines yeah. there's the pressure of defending your titles and not losing points but uh still i think i think this is really really good and the davis cup is coming up very soon he's testing team canada so if there's another time to get wins it's now well kenny would, would you mean, say would you say it was always mental before i mean karina brought up some good points but everybody still and even us on this chat right now we acknowledge the game is still there it never went anywhere like it just seemed like it was a mental block and maybe that's what he needed I, I would call it a hangover from last season. I really would. I mean, this guy went through so much, not only winning his first title, what was that now, two seasons ago, and then last year uh, just ripping off, I think either, what was it, three titles in a row at the end of the year or almost three titles in a row. He was clearly the second best player in the world at the end of last year, um, just it, it, at, in the current level. Like if you had to rank players, you had most confidence and he beat Carlos. Um, and I, I think that, I think he just had so much pressure off of his shoulders, finally proving to the world that he is a top tennis player. That he just, I, I mean, he, I think he always knew this time of the year he had to bring his best level. I, I mean, I don't know. I would chalk it up to just a little bit of a, a hangover or a honeymoon, whatever you want to call it. But um, it's just nice to see him back. And I, again, like a lot of people were not interested in betting on him today against Jan Leonard Struff because, you know, the tried and true method of fading a guy after a long tournament run. Um, but I mean, he proved last year that he could just go back to back to back, uh, mm -hmm. bringing his level and like, the thing about this guy is he hasn't played a lot of matches this year because he kept losing. So he's fresh. He's fresher, fresher than anybody on tour. Uh, and uh, he, he can keep it going until the season's over. So I'm excited to see what he can do in Paris. Pump for him, Zico also. Unfortunately, that wasn't really even the final of the day because Sinner beat Medvedev in, a, in, in Vienna. Second straight win for Sinner after going 0 for his first six against Daniil. It was epic. It was great. We even got the Kenny text at 6 in the morning West Coast time. So that was also fun. Uh, Zico, this looked like a new and improved Yannick Sinner in a lot of ways. He does not, had not until really the last couple months, won these long physical matches against the best. And now he's got a couple of them in a row. Yeah, I think I'm more willing than ever to really consider Sinner as a threat to win the major, you know, maybe at the Australian Open. I do think that he's stacking big wins in a way that he hasn't done it before. 
and just kind of looking around at who's playing well right now, it really seems like it's him head and shoulders above the rest. Yeah, I mean, the topic I put up here is this Yannick Center 2.0. It looks like a better version. He's finishing points. Kenny and then Karina, I also think, obviously, Djokovic, Alcaraz are in a tier by themselves based on what they've done, but there does seem like there's a clear top four, at least, I would argue. Medvedev and Sinner have separated themselves from that next program. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, sorry, go ahead, Karina. Okay, sorry. I'm uh, sorry. I was going to say, like, I think with Yannick, like, it was always just he's very young and he's kind of still going through, you know, his experiences. And I think we saw a lot of growth this year. Um, I think, you know, the, how he did in Toronto, I think he's starting to realize that he can win these matches and kind of figure them out so like when i know he he fell to alcaraz at the u.s open but you know you kind of see that he actually can do it and i think getting big wins like this is just going to keep helping him with his development and like yeah to be able to have confidence in him being like a top contender for a major title i think is huge for him at this point in his career yeah, sorry. I'm just, I was just uh, not Kenny picking up his I, I was so ready to talk and then I wasn't. No, I, I would just say, I mean, I know I've, I've been uh, down on center a lot in the Grand Slams. And I think that's obviously the next step for him is to prove that um, he can, you know, shake. I mean, he's had so many bad losses early in slams or near losses for, you know, the last two seasons. But I mean, I don't think I've ever been higher on him than I really am right now. I was on him against uh, Daniil Medvedev. And I think we're seeing uh, just a lot more confidence out of him than we've seen in the past. And it's just, it's what Karina said about the the age. I mean, I think he's maturing a lot mentally. There's some guys who just have it right away, like Ben Shelton, like Carlos Alcaraz. There's some guys who it takes a little time and it sometimes it never happens. And, you know, Mitch and I were talking about Holger Runa, who's maybe he's a can't miss guy that is a miss. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But what I would say is, you know, Yannick Sinner has just, I mean, he can hit the ball. I would even say better than Carlos Alcaraz at this point, just a pure ball striking perspective, pure aggression and power. Um, and, and I think that, you know, seeing him take the next step this year, I wasn't convinced after, even though he won a Masters uh, in Canada, I still was not convinced that he was like ready to just take that next step into into Grand Slam contention. But with, you know, like Zico said, um, I sort of am starting to become a believer. And I think that that time could be coming as early as next year. I don't know about the Australian Open. That could be Ben Shelton's time. But uh, no, I, I think uh, I, I think it's definitely going to happen next year. I got one for Zico. Uh, will Medvedev ever defend a title? <laughs> I don't know. Are, are you trying to team me up for my pick for tomorrow? <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah, we might. I don't know. But it's just funny, right? Like, I don't look, we don't have any doubts about how good he still is, but it's just one of those weird stats in sports. Yeah, it's really inexplicable. I mean, I do think that there's a lot that goes into playing the way that he does and, you know, playing such a defense first uh, style. And maybe it's hard to do it multiple times in a row. You know, his body just can't handle it. But yeah, it's just one of those weird things. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Well, I want to get to some of the women's stuff in Cancun, then we'll go to the ATP Paris Masters uh, here on Tennis Bets. Karina, I'll I'll start with you because we've got a lot of different discussions and topic points there. 
Uh, we can throw the future bets up after one round, one round of group play so far. Those are the four winners. Two of them, you know, play tonight in Sablanca and Pagula. But we've seen a lot of adversity on and off the court having to be handled in Cancun. Going with the flow, I think, appears to be the theme of the tournament. But thoughts on this board? Thoughts on, Karina, what you've seen through one match each in Cancun? I think from what I've seen so far, I kind of like Pagula at plus 500. I think she's been a really consistent player this year. Um, I think the conditions favor her the way that she's been playing like in her match against Rabakana, she was forcing her to go to the net and it really looked like Rabakana was uncomfortable um and i just think with playing the way that she does like she has a really good chance to a get out of the group but then actually just kind of play back against anybody that she faces um i think all like everybody on this table right now like shviatek sabalenka goth like they've all looked pretty good so far but like i don't know i just feel like pagula has just also been another player that has stepped it up another notch this year in terms of consistency and uh just relying on her to be that player that can get those wins against anybody just playing her game and i think she's also looked like way more precise um mm -hmm. in her shots too which is something that i've noticed um she's another player that i think has grown a lot so i do i do like her her chances here yeah that stat below is ridiculous that she's just been such a great front runner in 2023 and the match against rebecca you referenced to me was about the unforced errors it was half as much as what rebecca did so she's played clean She's playing the big points a lot smarter. And I know this panel likes the longer odds, the better opportunity to win money. So that's <laughs> there. Uh, Kenny, before we get into tonight's matchups, your thoughts on the board and maybe some players you might be backing. Yeah, I didn't think we saw Iga's best uh, in round one. I know more. I, I was going to actually get to Marquetta as a. I, I just can, I'm going to continue to fade Anjouber, and I really, really like her tomorrow. Um, but I think with that, you know, th there is a lot of opportunity in taking Coco Golf tomorrow at plus 170. Obviously, with the history against Iga, I thought she looked really good in her opening round win. But yeah, I mean, I I, I would sort of echo what Karina said about Jess Bagula. That is just the type of player that wins the year-end finals. You know, when there's a lot of players that uh, fatigue sets in. You talk about someone like Sabalenka, someone like Sviatek. Obviously, we always like to hype up the prestige of the year on finals, but I do feel as though it's a player that's just got a little more in the tank, a little more to prove, and that is the type of player that I think Jess Pagula is. She's had an unbelievable season, obviously a great counterpuncher and a lot of players in this field with a lot of weapons, um, and I, I, it, it just, the, the vibes are right for Pagula to win this tournament, so I would say, I would, I would be in lockstep to say plus 500 is a very, very good price on her, considering like I just don't think we've seen the highest level out of some of the favorites here. Yeah, and if we're going to ask the question, who stands to gain the most from this? I mean, all these other three are major champions. One is number one. One was number one. You know, I think Pagula could really gain the most from winning a tournament like this. Uh, Zico, before we move on to what the matchups wow. look like tonight. Right. Roman Safielan just broke, by the way. <laughs> okay. He might win this match. He's up a set in a wow. break. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh, it's a little interesting. You're being the core condition guy, Zico, and what we're dealing with in Cancun. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that there's any like rhyme or reason with the courts. I think that there's places on the court that is that are bouncing, you know, differently than others. I don't know. I, I did end up playing Iga to win that tournament just because of what's at stake for her. I do think that it's pretty unique seeing that she can still get her year end number one back from Sabalenka. So that's kind of the one thing that I had going there. But I do think Pagula is a pretty good pick at plus 500, almost because of what you just said with, you know, the consistency and the way she plays. I think that that makes mm -hmm. her almost a good play to win on these courts because there is so much unpredictability. 
That's the first uh, or the big match tonight. Sabalenka Pagua, two winners in their group. Those are the odds. And uh, Zico, I know you're you're on Sabalenka here with the game spread, right? Two and a half. Yeah, I went on. I went uh, minus two and a half with Sabalenka. Just a lot of history there. She's won her last four matches against Pagula. Um, all of them have been pretty dominant wins. And I just do think that there is something to be said for her ability to kind of just hit through the court no matter what. And in her last match against Sakari, she served really well. That's kind of the one concern with Sabalenka whenever she plays. Um, there was yeah. really nothing there that, that led me to believe that she's not going to be able to hold her own serve throughout this match. So I do think she will get the job done here. I, d- I don't feel as good about it as I did you know, on a normal court surface, but I do like Sabalenka. I would say it's just a bad matchup for Pagula. It doesn't mean she can't still you know, make a run and win this tournament, yeah. hopefully. For her, Sablanka gets knocked out. But I, I think it's simple. also yeah. this is also a case of uh, you know fade the public narrative, right? Because Sablanka came out and said she hated the courts. I think most people are going to want to fade her or say, oh, you know, maybe she's going to be unhappy or she's not going to play as well. And I Possibly always, did. I feel like it's always the player who comes out and complains about something that winds up having a good run or maybe defying some of the odds. So I, I'm, I'm always a big fade the public narrative guy. So I, I, I like that as well. I think with Savalenka, though, sometimes if she gets too upset about something, that also kind of holds her back. So I think yeah. she's like also a little bit different than like maybe other players who might come out and complain. Yeah. Well, that you know, she, she, recently, did, she did almost throw her racket into the stands <laughs> at the U.S. Open, and then she ended up beating Maddie Keys. So maybe yeah. it's maybe maybe it's turning here for her. Forgot another example of growth. Yeah. Forgot <laughs> that we're counting to what was it? it was a super tie break in the third, and not you know she celebrated before she actually won the match. So second uh, player in two years to do that, by the way. Uh, yeah. I think Daniel what was Collins. it? Alejandro Davidovich Fakina maybe last year at Wimbledon. Collins did that too for sure. Yeah, Danielle Collins, Collins definitely did it. Did it yeah. Yes, yeah, a few players have done it. So I actually thought it was I thought it was the second time Sabalenka had done it, um, but I, I was I was mistaken. But the, the, she's not the first player to do that. Any thoughts on the other match tonight? Sakri's plus 200 against Rabakina. This is basically being treated as an elimination match. There's still, you know, some upset potential around, but you can't really drop two. So. No. I think this is the comeback tour for Rabakina after a disappointing mm-hmm. showing in uh, at, the, at the U.S. Open. Wow. Yeah, I think like I think Maria Sakari made things a little bit like as much as the scoreline was the way it was against Sabalenka, she did make things difficult for her, but I'm still kind of hesitant that she would take this one against Rabakina. Yeah, I don't. Sakri just looked all out of sorts, and it looked like the type of player that, you know, wasn't expecting to be here. Might have emptied the tank at the end of her season. It's just tough, and this is another tough match for her. More of the same. So, we'll see. Uh, ATP Paris, though, that's what we're going to. And Zico, I gotta start. I gotta. I gotta start with this one because we'll see what the Alcaraz match. But the finals race to Turin and the ATP. There's one spot left, and unfortunately, with Taylor Fritz's injury. It looks like it's a two-horse race, and Hubie keeping staying alive against Corda today. So, should we just expect it to be that two-horse race? And who do you see getting in? Yeah, I think I do like Herkosh to do it. I think that he has a pretty good draw here. I was a little bit nervous about him potentially losing to Corda, but I think that now that he's through that, I'd be surprised if he doesn't make a nice run. You know, playing in an indoor hard court that does suit his game pretty well. Um, so, yeah, I do think it will be Hubie. Kenny, any thoughts? Do you think it's uh, you're in agreement with it that it being Hubie, or do you think Holger can uh, stave off, or maybe a long shot below goes on a deep run and shocks everyone? Yeah, I mean, look, I 
the draw is not amazing or it wasn't amazing for Casper Ruud, but I do as I do feel as though we're going to see him and Hercotch essentially set up for what could end up being a, a match that could determine this, this spot. I actually think Casper's playing some pretty good tennis and Hercotch, uh, you know, he was the underdog today. So I think that that was certainly a, a, a good concern, right? A, a valid concern that he was going to end up beating Corda. But I thought we saw some really inspired tennis. I think he's playing the best out of anyone. I mean, he just really was suffering through a lot of pain in that final against Felix. And I was surprised that he was able to look as good as he did today. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's the scruff. Maybe it's like him growing in his facial hair. I don't know what it is, but I just feel like we're seeing a a, a, a mother version of Hercosh that we haven't seen. I think he's really dialed in. And yeah. um, I think it's surprising also just like it, you wouldn't expect to say that or see that after the guy who's a seven one in finals in his career lost a final. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I do feel as though he's playing really good tennis and he's definitely going to beat RBA his, his old uh, rear end. So uh, I, you know, that, that rude, I mean, we saw Sarundalo really labor through that match today. I definitely don't think he's going to be Casper rude. Um, especially now a little bit fresher rude having, uh, having some almost a week off, I guess, in between matches. So I mean, I think this is really rude to lose, to be honest. I think he could definitely make a run here. Very, you would, I think this actually might be the perfect type of court for him. It's a, it's a slow indoor hard court. And I know he's had success on the fast uh, surfaces because he's really, you know, dedicated his game to more power and he's sort of gotten a little bit of worse on clay, but I think this is sort of a good hybrid for him. So I, I could see him winning against Hercoc and making a run here, especially with, uh, you know, he's not on the same side of the draw as Alcaraz, but he could, you know, he, he could win a few matches here, and um, you know, Rublev might be in a little bit of trouble today. I, I don't know. I, I think, um, I think we could see, we could see a, a deep run here for for Rudin. I think he could claim this spot. Well, Alcaraz might not be on that side of the draw either in a little bit yeah. here. <laughs> second, yeah. So um, I'm so glad, by the way the the age old question of do I take the underdog spread or do I take the over? And I was I was agonizing over that with Safulin, but I did take the spread. Thankfully, yeah. um, I know everyone was concerned, but that that is that is always. I mean, I don't think they're going to hit the over. It was twenty and a half games. The other story that I've saw that I've seen so far: several Americans going out early in Paris. Uh, we've seen it with some of the bigger names. There's a few still left in there, but it's they're, they're too busy partying. <laughs> is that that intel? Do we have that? No, uh, but I mean, uh, you know, they it's all it's all over Instagram. You know, they're ha- they're having fun in Paris as they should. Oh, end of, end of the season's tough with Shelton. We saw a guy that was a little drained in that match against ADF. Eubanks losing early. Tiafo still struggling. Uh, Karina, and I want to just also get your thoughts too on some of these matches we've seen. Taylor Fritz being out, he would have been in that race, uh, but unfortunately with the ab injury out as well. So the Americans. Trying to sit the, hit the reset. Tommy Paul's still over there with an outside chance too, but some struggles for the Americans uh, in the Paris indoors. Yeah, I think uh, Tiafo's been kind of quiet since the U.S. Open. Um, kind of struggling a little bit, so I think we'll see what happens. I think maybe it's a good chance to just kind of maybe call it a year, uh, depending on how he many did. tournaments are. I think he are, did, actually. I think he, he just did? pulled out. Yeah, okay. he pulled out of his next tournament. So yeah, and th- like who knows? Like maybe that might end up being beneficial, and then you're able to start 2023. You know, with the United Cup, and then maybe that kind of helps. And if he's playing in the United Cup, um, maybe a little team event to kind of get the year started, and then a different kind of motivation. But um, yeah, overall, the Americans. It kind of sucks that Taylor Fritz. What's the Taylor Fritz injury? Because I don't think I saw it. Ab core. They, they said he's been dealing with it for a really yeah. long time, which is okay. not surprising to me, but. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think from what I've heard, it's preventative to to just shut it down now and be healthy for Australia. Obviously, major season 
that uh, makes sense. Yeah. The only the only other thing I have on this Zico, and you can answer this for the group. Is there anyone in this group that would make a bet in the next gen other than a Ben Shelton bet? I don't think so. I mean, I think that Corda has the game, but yeah. there's something missing where it's just yeah. not. He's not you know putting out the results. I just don't know what it is. I. I would say Lorenzo Musetti. You know, that's a guy that has all the talent in the world. He's had a, a tough season. I thought he I thought he actually looked pretty good against Grigor and both of his Gre- He's getting Grigor, yeah. That's what I was gonna say. I mean, and Grigor just was playing unbelievable, which I'm sure Zico is gonna take five minutes to explain uh with his pick for tomorrow. But um <laughs> no, but I look, I and, and rightfully so, the guy's playing out of his out of his skull. But I, I think you know, you see the fatigue of a season. Um, you know, I I, I I don't think Corda's really played um, no. unbelievably at that tournament. I know that that's Corda to me feels like the Demonor of like 20, what was it, 2017, where he, he you know, Sinner was in the draw and everyone was like, oh, Demonor lost last year. This is the revenge tour for Demonor. He's going to kill everybody in the next gen finals. And he lost to Sinner in the final. Like, I feel like Corda almost is going to go in as the guy that is the favorite because Shelton obviously is showing signs of fatigue. I mean, I could see Shelton winning the tournament, obviously, but I think if you want to take a long shot, Musetti's a guy that sort of, he hasn't he hasn't had the last couple of months. He hasn't had the close to the season that he wanted to. And I he's played pretty well at that event before. So I could see him maybe snatching that and putting that on his mantle as a hey, you know, I didn't have uh the, the I didn't take the next step that I thought I would in 2023, but hey, I won the next gen finals. Uh even on that note, like about Ben Shelton, like I think I've been even though he's like fatigued now, I think I'm really happy with his post US Open run. I think that was obviously like the questions surrounding him were like he hasn't won consecutive matches or any kind of title. And now all of a sudden he's like bursting out. It's this big run at the U S well, you know, challenger tour Karina, but no one, well, wants yeah, to but nobody, nobody really tour. likes to talk no. about those except for, no, no you know, us or like, you know, <laughs> people who are really, really invested. Um, there's always like, I, that's all, I, I don't know about you guys. I just saw that narrative all over my timeline. Like, yeah, well, I mean, every single press conference that he had at the U S open, it was, you haven't won back-to-back matches and now you did. And now you have, and it was like, he, every time he was like, well, you know, I did once, but, um, I, I would say just on the American topic, you know, I, for a guy that won two tournaments this year, who started out five and zero at the United Cup, I mean, I, this I think this is a pretty disappointing season for Francis Tiafo, and you know he, he's going to end the season in the top twenty. He he cracked the top ten at the beginning of the year, but. I mean, the end of the season was was pretty bad. The U.S. Open, he was really the beneficiary of a very easy draw. I thought the Manorino match got a little complicated at the end, and he was lucky to escape in four sets. Um, you know, got hit off the court by Shelton, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's. I, I think he knows that he does just doesn't have his top level. Maybe he just didn't do um, the amount of work that he did in the last two years to get to this level. Like he obviously was working his tail off. He continued mm-hmm. to achieve big result after big result. He was taking step after step. He beat Rublev at the U S open. Then the next year he beat Nadal. And yeah, I, I think he just sort of kind of plateaued this year. And I'm interested to see how he comes out next year. Maybe he puts in a good, uh, you know, month and a half in the off season. But I mean, I, I just have really, been i've not been impressed with him pretty much all year i mean you can go back to toronto and washington those those shock losses to stan and milos raonic and uh dan dan evans you know i know i know we all love dan well i love dan evans but um you know he should have won that match with the top 15 player so yeah i mean i i think he's got a lot to do this offseason and i'm excited to see what he does next year because now he's sort of behind the pecking order um of a few guys you know and he was basically poised to take over that top spot as the top male american at the end of last year and he just did not do that this year so 
we'll see what ends up happening. But, uh, you know, Karina mentioned the United Cup. I think that's a, a good uh, opportunity for him. But then again, you know, he did look amazing at the United Cup this year. And then pretty much after that, uh, disappointing Australian Open. Um, just, you know, he, he had he had a, a nice run at Indian Wells. And then Houston is sort of a fake tournament. So I don't really even count that. And then... Hey, know, the nice people at Houston here. Let's just... Good step forward, you know, on grass. Because, uh, you know, that... They, you know, he took another step winning a t- title on grass, but like, right. yeah, I don't know. It just not a lot of great things to say about Tiafo this year. I just don't think he, I, I think he kept reaching down yeah. for his, you know, in, in some of those matches for his best love and he just didn't have it. The Shelton match wasn't even Shelton's best. Like I thought that was more Tiafo's worst. Same with Absolutely. Dimitrov in Wimbledon. So, yeah. Uh, I thought you were asking me if, if I, which of the Americans I thought had a chance to win a major, not about the actual next gen. Corda is not in the next gen finals. So. No. Yeah. We kind of took it in a different direction. Yeah. Uh, but it happens. Well, I mean, we can also assume what, like, like uh, Alcaraz and Runa are probably not going to play. No, that's the thing. So, like, Shelton is going to be the, you know, the next gen term. It's fun. It's a new format. It's exciting. But, you know, it's the Ben Shelton show, as he's proven. All right, more of Tennis Bets here. We're on Tennis Channel YouTube, Tennis.com, Facebook, and Tennis Bets Twitter on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network as well. Let's segue into some picks while we wait to see what happens in this Alcaraz-Safilin match. Uh, right on cue, we'll go with Zico first. Tomorrow, he likes Dimitrov plus one and a half sets at minus 125 against Medvedev. So looking at this and looking at kind of what we want to do here, uh, in terms of this, and I know there's a, a lot of reasons for betting on Dimitrov. He's played well. He's had shirtless videos online, Zico, as I know you know. So uh, what's your reasoning here? Yeah, I mean, he just he took him to three sets of Vienna. I think that these courts probably suit him a little bit better. They're a little bit slower. And I just think Dimitrov's played really well over the last couple of months. I won't take five minutes to answer, like Kenny said, but I do think, you know, Medvedev could also well, be a little fatigued. I want to hear it because I want to bet on Dimitrov as well. <laughs> yeah, I think that Medvedev might be a little fatigued after a finals run last week, played a physical final too. So I think that this is just a good spot for Dimitrov, who has actually played really well in Paris in the past. So I, I agree, but was it, would it be fatigue or is it just he has a mental wall where he's like, all right, first round, I'm resetting. Something's like I feel like Kevin of winning in three sets is the most likely outcome here. Hey, that would be a win for me, so I'm good with that. (laughs) Yeah, Karina, any thoughts on this? Um, yeah, no, I think you know that in their match last week together, like Dimitrov looked like he had it at the beginning, and then he just kind of dropped off a little bit and let Medi like run away with the rest of the match. So I think like as long as he just kind of adjusts that. And I think it's easier to adjust when you play someone like within a week of each other. Like, I feel like that's just the best way to kind of adjust. Like it's like the playoffs in like a team sport, but then it's, you just, you don't always get that in tennis. So I think I like that pick. I like that Dimitrov pick. I think I would choose that as well. I like how Medvedev's coaches, and I never really brought this up, but they're just wearing random hockey hats because he's friends with our <laughs> Temi Panarin on the Rangers. And it's just whatever hats he has in his closet. Just here you go. I think that's a nice touch as well. Uh, Kenny got a bet tomorrow. I want to get to Nishioka Rublev over oh, 20. tonight. Tonight, okay, yeah, it is tonight. Wow. Well, it's tomorrow in Paris because that match will probably be <laughs> after midnight again. But, uh, Nishioka Rublev over 20 and a half games, minus 120. Thoughts on, uh, you know, I guess it's a safer bet, especially for you. This is a safe pick. Why do you like this one? 
Yeah, I mean, Nishioka's really given Rublev a lot of trouble. Obviously, everyone's going to remember the City Open last year when he just shockingly defeated him and then went to the final um, and lost to Nick Kyrgios. But um, yeah, I mean, all their matches really, besides the ATP Cup, which is at the beginning of the year, Nishioka is sort of like a, you know, a Bublik type character who just, you know, sometimes he's on, sometimes he's off. Um, I thought he looked really, really good in that win over Jordan Thompson. Um, he, he really... You know, it's very rare, actually, that you see Nishioka. I've, I've gone back and looked in the past. It's really rare that you see him um, fall behind in a match and end up and end up uh, winning the match. And he dropped that second set. Uh, he came out really focused in the third. I thought he just I thought he, he grinded them down. And I think we're just seeing a, a focused Nishioka. And honestly, you know, you say it about some of the more talented players and the more, you know, the guys with imposing games. But I do feel as though when Nishioka's on, he's like, he's definitely a top 30 player as Roman Sufulin walks off the court of winner. That's unbelievable. Um, and it, we also have to start talking about the fact that this might be the house of horrors for Carlos Alcaraz after he lost to Hugo Gaston um, a couple of years ago in Paris. But yeah, I mean, I... I think he's playing really well. And if you look at the head to head with Rublev, it's, it's pretty solid. And, you know, most of their matches have been really hotly contested. Even the two set uh, losses, uh, they've been pretty close. Rublev obviously has never looked this good. So I think that's definitely a factor here. You know, he's, he's at a career high at at five in the world and he has just looked unstoppable on the court, but I think Nishioka has got his number a little bit. I think his defense is going to pose problems. Um, And I think he can make a little bit of noise here. And I mean, even in a two set loss, I still feel as though this match goes over. I think he, he has his say, he has a shine in this match. And the courts seem to really suit him. I mean, I think he kind of likes playing indoors. Um, he, he likes less variables. And he also really likes when he can get coffee in the middle of matches, which he was not able to do during the pandemic. Yeah. And also like Rublev's played a lot of three setters in recent times. So I, yeah. Yeah. He's also, it. he's also just been whacking his knees when he's upset now. That's like the newest. Yeah. I, <laughs> I never thought, I never thought I'd to go back to punching the racket and bloodying their knuckles, but that might be a little safer. Uh, Carino, this upset at the bottom is really startling. Roman Safilin, who we all, and Kenny more than anyone, t- likes. <laughs> no, Nico more than anyone, please. Correct, yeah. the, correct the record. Right, but to win this match convincingly against a guy who had a lot to play for, that's a stunning win. Full, full marks first off to Safilin, but your thoughts on the shocking outcome in Paris? I mean, like this is a, this is the time of year to do it. Like, I feel like that's been the common theme. Like, if you're if you're gonna do something crazy, do it now. Because, like, honestly, at this point, sometimes the results are unknown because players have just gone through an entire candle ca- calendar year of tennis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like Kenny said, like maybe this is just a bad tournament for Carlos. Well, uh, yeah, it's, it's a also- real thing. Like, I feel like that happens to a lot of players. Like, it's not like it's 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 a really really valid. Uh, valid yeah. point um but yeah I, I don't know i think carlos will be fine but this is a that was a great pick kenny like i i respect that <laughs> let's definitely clip that off for him and his family thank uh, you thank you appreciate it uh zico this could be alcaraz's other issue not just this match but finishing these years strong this is the year two where he's coming in a little banged up to the finish line and going out early in this tournament yeah, he struggled this portion of the year, and I also just think that there's been a little too much, just kind of really bad showings from Alcaraz this season. I think that when you know you're talking about competing with Novak Djokovic for a top spot, you know, in the sport, there's so much more consistency from Djokovic than you see from Alcaraz, and I do think that that's where he needs to get with his game. And I'm, I'm, you know, it's a little disappointing to see him go out early in this tournament. I think that he needs to find a way to just be a little bit more steady moving forward. 
Yeah, I'm just looking back here. I think this is the first. He's this is the first time he's lost back-to-back matches since last October when he, or sorry, last uh, August rather, when he lost to Tommy Paul in Montreal after he lost to Yannick Sinner in the UMAG final. And um, you know, it doesn't happen often. So I think it's certainly worth noting that. Yeah. This is, you know, this was, I think he might have overextended himself a little bit this year. Obviously, there was all that talk about him going and playing Davis Cup after winning, um, or excuse me, Hopman Cup after winning, uh, you know, at Wimbledon. But like, I don't know if that's really what this is. I just think this is a guy that is, uh, I mean, maybe, I, mean, I don't know, maybe he, maybe he just overexerts himself on the court. We saw Casper Rude, um, you know, the, as, as smug as ever saying, well, maybe I wouldn't play so aggressive and uh, that's not the way to win matches. And then he comes out and loses to Roman Safiul and making a bunch of errors. So maybe Casper Rude knows what he's talking about. I love that redemption story. You guys having a full arc of now you guys are best buds. Kenny and I do think there's something with Alcaraz where like he's almost a little too talented for his own good. I think that he goes for big shots when he shouldn't because of you know thinks that he can hit him at all like you know at all times from any place. Do you have court, to dive on every point. Like that's a good that's a good thing to bring up. Like do you have to extend yourself so much on every single point? I think it's fair yeah, to discuss. And, and, and I think you saw it when he played like Hercotch in Toronto, like where Juan Carlos Ferrero he really wants him to play you know smarter points, and I think that he occasionally just doesn't do it. I would also I would compare him a little bit too to Felix in that sense. Like, I think what we saw Felix do uh, starting a couple of weeks ago was just take a little bit off the forehand, try to just land it because he knows mm-hmm. uh, even with you know hitting the ball at what eighty or ninety percent uh, and just ensuring it's going to go in, he still has a lot of action on the forehand and he still hits the ball very hard. So mm-hmm. I think that's certainly you know something that a lot of players learn. Novak Djokovic did it early in his career, going from being a little less aggressive, Medvedev obviously to a painstaking end, uh, just went complete opposite and played defense. I don't think that's ever going to be Carlos, but I do feel as though he'll learn that with experience. And the fact that he's already won a couple of grand slams and had those in his pocket is uh, it's pretty, you know, if he could end up making sure, making his game a little cleaner in that sense, it would be really scary for the rest of the tour. But I mean, it's, it's nice. It's it's almost nice to see him lose because I think we had this fear going into the season that he was just going to be so much better than everybody else. And, you know, we're seeing a, we're seeing him, fall to players that, you know, just hit a big ball like Roman Sofiulin and Fabian Morojan. And, and it's, I mean, there is a clear game plan to beat him, right? You just have to be, you have to just, you know, just hit the ball incredibly hard and be really aggressive. And like Yannick Sinner does that better than anybody. That's why he sort of has his number a little bit. And, um, you know, I think that's something that I'm going to look for next year. I mean, I always do, but um, a guy like Felix, a guy like Yannick Sinner and just big hitters, you know, he does struggle with those guys when he can't be the aggressor. In rallies yeah I, just yeah go ahead karina yeah i was gonna say i think it's interesting too like just this phenomenon of like what has happened with the players this year where you have a group of players who are super flashy or have had a lot of success early on and you're seeing kind of that inconsistency starting so whether that's like carlos at certain moments um or felix or tiafo or whoever and then you have like other players who are starting to kind of mature and grow into more of a consistent game like Yannick Sinner. It's, it's very interesting to see because it's like everybody's young, but then also different generations. And so I'm very curious to see like what patterns kind of start to evolve and like who actually starts to adjust. Because like, like you said, Kenny, like we were all afraid that Carlos was going to be like in a world of his own. But if you have someone like Yannick Sinner who's actually starting to fulfill his potential, like this could get way more interesting. Or Ben Shelton. 
or Ben, or ben Shelton. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's got the, I mean, it's it's that type of game. It's it's yeah. it, you know, if you sit behind the baseline, we've seen it with Djokovic and Medvedev, who do it better than anybody. It's going to be really hard to beat them, and yeah. and you just you just have to out hit them. And I think there's a there's only a few players in the world that can do that. But um, you know, Fabian Moroshan on his day. <laughs> <laughs> two mentions. That's that's special. Um, two more quick things before we wrap up this show. One being have to discuss what to expect from Djokovic end of 2023. Hasn't even played his first Paris match yet. Alcaraz is already out. He skipped the Asian swing. So Zico, he decides to just come in for Paris and the year-end championships, which he's won a lot in his career. You expect more of the same. I think I do. I, I mean, I guess I wouldn't be shocked if he loses in Paris just because it's been so much time off. But I do think he's going to win the year in final. I think that he's really motivated by proving that he is better than Alcaraz. And I do think that he has his number a little bit. So I kind of think that he is going to finish the year strong. I don't think that there's necessarily anybody else that's really stepped up and showed that they could beat him. Uh, I guess Sinner would be the the only other one that would say, you know, that he has the form right now. But I don't think that's, I don't, I don't know. I don't think I trust Sinner to beat Djokovic right now, especially after the way they played at Wimbledon. I mean, no. I think we've seen we've seen Djokovic at the end of the year, though. I mean, last year was an exception. I think he had a lot to prove that, you know, missing the time with the vaccine uh, restrictions, like, you know, he, he had a lot to prove last year. And, you know, he, he, I, but I don't think we really ever see him step his game up this this late in the year. So I, I actually would I Felix was my pick to win the ATP finals last year. And he just didn't he didn't have that dog in him. But I do almost feel like the winner. <laughs> this year could be the guy I'm going to pick to win the ATP finals because you know that I, I always compare it to an all-star game you know like there's $500,000 or there's a lot of money on the line and there's a lot of points on the line but just it, it almost feels as though I mean we've seen it over the last five years like the up-and-comers are usually the guys that have more that they're playing for and the fatigue of a season I know Djokovic has played sparingly he's, he's rested his body but I mean you know we saw him lose to Holger last year in Paris we saw him uh just you know, look like a shell of himself in the ATP finals in the last years before that. So I could certainly see uh, an upset brewing. And I, I, you know, I, I'm not going to say Yannick Sinner because he beats him at the ATP finals or wins the ATP finals is going to like beat him at the grand, next grand slam. They face each other. But I, I mean, I, I don't really know what Djokovic now that he's going to end the, the season at, at likely one um, really is going to have left for us, especially if he makes like the semis here in Paris, like, is he really going to show out at the HB finals? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think we've just ever really seen that. I mean, we, we saw an old Federer just roast him on the court yeah. like years ago at that event. So it's just never really an event for the old, you know, the old guard. I do think I just, he's going to be fresh though. That's the thing. You know. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, I think it's wild that we're now in that era where Novak just plays like the big tournaments that he wants to, and he's still going to be like a top favorite on every single one. The ATP finals. He's like 11 years older, 10 years older than the next oldest guy. Alex wow. That, so, uh, yeah, but I mean, we still think like kid. Dominic team beat him at the ATP finals and he beat him from a mini <laughs> breakdown and a tiebreaker, right? Like what's the thing yeah. we always say about Djokovic, like big match tiebreak. I just don't think he really treats it like a fine, a, a slam. And that's why I just ultimately yeah. think some of these guys are going to maybe take it from him. Last thing, Zico leading off with you. It is Halloween as we uh, <laughs> record this. So what's the scariest thing for you about betting on tennis? I think a first round matchup with Roman Safulin. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Set that one up. Yeah. 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 I mean, Kenny would have said Sarandolo about two hours ago. Oh my God, dude. I mean, you want to talk? Oh my God. 
That was one of the most painful matches I've ever been a part of. I I mean, I have no idea how he covered three and a half games, but I was just praying he lost that second set tiebreak. I would say the scariest thing in tennis betting is something that I alluded to earlier, which is trying to figure out, especially with a top 10 player on the other side of the court and a big spread, whether or not to take the games or the set or the total. I think that will always be the case. Um, because you saw what today with Safulin, you know, you'd think, okay, maybe he takes a set and then Alcaraz smokes him in the third. Or, I mean, it's just it, sometimes it is impossible to figure out the right bet. I mean, this Nishioka match later, and what, what if Nishioka wins in two sets because Rublev's tired? It's very scary. It's very scary because you can be right about a match and then end up losing money. Yeah. And that is that is the worst feeling in the world. I would, and Karina, before I get to you, I'd just say too, like from a macro level, it's that anxiety of the first like three points of the match. <laughs> Where you could just see them look flat, and then you just have a panic attack. Like, <laughs> their day, they're checked out. What's wrong? But Kareem, do you have an answer here? Yeah, I don't know if you guys know what my betting strategy is, but my betting strategy itself is the scariest part of tennis betting because what I do is within like the first couple of rounds of a tournament, I just make these insane like twenty leg parlays, like anywhere from like ten <laughs> to twenty legs, and I just do like all money lines, and I put like one or two dollars on it, and the payout is yeah, anywhere between like a couple hundred to a couple thousand, and there's always for me like one or two legs that don't hit, and I and it's always just one or two, and I just the scariest part for me is when is the order of the matches, because I'll I'll end up being with like the first leg doesn't hit, but it's like actually like the fifth leg, but because the matches are when they are. I can't really like follow the parlay and cash out. Mm-hmm. I ca- I cashed out on one like a few weeks ago, okay. which was great. But yeah, no, that's for me. That's I, the scary part. I got two more. One is those uh, <laughs> there's the basically every tournament for you on the West Coast. But waking like when you wake up, roll over and check to see the scores. That is oh, so God. scary. Yes, every <laughs> time you think because the matches are long over. You're just like, oh, I definitely yeah. Tomas Martin Echeverri definitely lost today to Miramir Katsmanovic. I'm just not getting out of bed. <laughs> I, I do weird things with that. I'll like slowly reveal the score. I'll put like my thumb over the score and like slowly reveal <laughs> one of the numbers. I don't know why, like because I don't like that I didn't watch it. <laughs> and yeah. the other one I'll say, and I've, I have not run the numbers on this, but I swear it's a hundred percent hit rate. Every time I go to flash score, I've got an underdog. Like say today, it was uh, you know, say today it's Roman Safulin plus five games or something. Whenever the underdog against a big underdog is serving first, they never recover ever. And you think, oh great, they're great, they're serving first. Like they're going to be ahead to start. Like you know, you're not going to have the six three first set in play if it's just one break. Every single time they, they don't cover it. I don't know what it is. I, I, I don't know. I think it's, you know, obviously a lot of players like to receive first because of the jitters involved in that first service game. But man, I, I almost feel like I've hit it 15% of the time every single time my underdog serves first. So that's scary for me as well. Okay. I knew I knew I'd strike uh hit home for at least a few of you. So <laughs> I think I, I think I had two pretty good ones there. The rollover okay. in the morning to the that's phone so is like the scariest thing of all time. I love that that's a shared experience too. <laughs> we <laughs> all go through that. <laughs> Different rollovers for sure. Uh everybody, thanks for joining. Kenny, Zico, Karina, we love having you as well. Uh we'll be back in a few days. There's still some more episodes of tennis bets. We've got the finals coming up as well, too. So it's gonna be exciting. Uh, For everybody out there watching or listening, whether it was on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, or on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, thanks for joining another episode of Tennis Bets. We'll see you in a few days. Have fun. Make some money out there, and we'll talk to you soon.